You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It is a Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, we talk to Bill Barnwell, one of our favorites to break down all the NFL news. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, the host of the Bill Barnwell Show. You can follow him at Bill Barnwell. And Bill, we got to start with what we just finished with, which is Max predicting 60 total touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. So quick off the top, is that possible? think so that'd be cool to see i hope so it would be it seems like too many 43 in 2019 was very impressive 60 seems like too many but let me ask Mm -hmm. you about something else that's impressive about lamar jackson um and shout out to my guy robert mays for this research um lamar was 29th out of qualified quarterbacks in epa per drop back versus the blitz last year and Mm -hmm. so a lot of teams are coming after him now using that statistic from last year looking at the film from last year and saying he's no good against the Mm -hmm. blitz so he's been blitzed on a third of his dropbacks. That's the third most of any quarterback through the first three weeks. He is first in EPA per dropback against the blitz. Ooh. For instance, just versus the Patriots, the 13 dropbacks that he was blitzed on, 11 of 12 for 127 yards and four touchdowns. What mm-hmm. happened? Well, I think they gave him answers for dealing with the blitz. I think they recognized that was a problem last year. And I think Lamar Jackson, going back to his time in college, has been a guy who improves the stuff he's weak at. He typically gets better at as his career goes on. And some players do that, some people don't. But Lamar has been able to do that on several levels, whether it's his passing, whether it's his, you know, his ability to protect himself on runs. He's a smarter player each and every season. And so to me, I think he's more ready for it. And I think they gave him better solutions for it. And we saw even um, in that Patriots game, he hit a one, or the Dolphins game, he hit a one touchdown against a, a cover zero blitz. You know, he has the, if the weapons aren't great necessarily, he at least has weapons when they do hit, they're going to hit in big ways. So when he has a, a pass to Devin DuVernay, Devin DuVernay is not a number one receiver, but when Devin DuVernay gets open against a cover mm-hmm. zero blitz, it's going to the house. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, speaking of quarterbacks that continue to improve, everybody's in love with Jalen Hurts. When you look at Jalen Hurts this year, how much of it is that he's just a better quarterback and how much of it is that he's just got better weapons? I, I think it's, it's everything, right? Like part of it is the weapons. Having A.J. Brown helps. I think that gives him a, a real solution in a place he struggled last year, which was throwing over the middle of the field. I think he has a weapon now. Dallas got it to some extent, but really A.J. Brown is that guy where he can make those tough catches over the middle of the field and then run after the catch and create bigger plays on those throws over the middle of the field, those crossing routes, those digs, those slants. A.J. Brown is that guy to a T, and I think that's why one of the reasons why the Eagles went out and acquired him was because they needed a guy who can fill that role. And I think on top of that, the offensive line is just playing great. I mean, it's a healthy offensive line relatively, um, especially to, compared to other teams, like the Jets or the Chargers, for example. The Eagles are healthy and effective up front, and I think that just makes Jalen Hurts' life easier. He looks like a confident quarterback right now, and I think – when you're confident, you're going to play your best football. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Which one are you more surprised by? Mm-hmm. If you could access the questions you were asking, the doubts you had in the offseason, mm-hmm. which one is is more impressive right now? Tua, to me. And not, I think Jalen Hurts is playing better than Tua, but I think Tua is playing better than my expectations for him heading into the season. I mean, guys, I, I put this in my column. I'll ask you, if I told you before the season that somebody in week two was going to throw for like 480 yards and six <laughs> touchdowns. How many quarterbacks would you have named before we got to Tua? Because that's right. the guy who did it. To me, I thought it was maybe 20 I would have named before him. I might have named a couple backups before I named Tua. And I think well, it's just, Cooper Rush, obviously, like, MVP, of course, he would oh, be up on that list. 
Of course. But, you know, like, I, I feel like with, with, with Tua Tango-Vanaloa, the ceiling has been raised. You know, yeah. I, I, just in terms of what we know he's capable of doing on a given week, like, he has that in his pocket now. He didn't have that in his pocket two weeks ago. So, to me, I think, even if I'm still a little skeptical of the Dolphins, I think they're good. I don't know if they're 3-0 and good. I think Tua is just, we know he can be the best quarterback in football on a given week, and that wasn't the case, really, before this upcoming, before this season. We're talking to the great Bill Barnwell on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You mentioned skeptical. I'm skeptical of the Broncos. I can't tell if they're actually good. What do you think? Mm, they're in first place in the AFC West, and uh, we could talk about some of the other teams in the AFC West. No need, no need, no need, no Okay, we'll talk about the Broncos. I mean, I, I think, I'll tell you this much. Like, I think they are going to round into form on offense. Like, there's just too much talent here. And I think Daniel Hackett is probably overmatched. But I think the one, he, one thing he's probably capable of doing is at least running a competent offense. So I think it's been a little sloppy. There's been some bad plays in the red zone. They fumbled, like, on the one-yard line. That's not going to happen week after week. I think as the year goes on, they'll be better on offense. I just, like, sort of like the opposite of the Tua thing, I just don't know if they have that feeling of being a top-five offense Maybe the way it looked like heading into the season. We're talking to Bill Barnwell, host of the Bill Barnwell Show. Also always has fantastic content written up on ESPN.com. You can follow him at Bill Barnwell. Let's talk about Brandon Staley. This felt like a bit of a make-or-break year in terms of expectations Mm -hmm. for this Chargers team and particularly his job. Not just the Herbert injury and his decision to play him, but just in general through the first couple weeks, are you worried that he might not be able to get this team to its full potential? I don't think this year. I mean, given the injuries, given what we know about not just uh, Justin Herbert's injury, but also Rashawn Slater, their star left tackle now out for the year. Joey Bosa, their star defensive end, looks like he's going to be out for a while with a groin injury. Um, I, it's a familiar story, right? I mean, it looks like the Chargers every year. It's, oh, if only X star player was not injured, they'd be great. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a year where they've already had so many big injuries that I think we're going to look back and just write this off and say, ah, well, they just were a mess. Maybe if they if they don't lose Slater or Herbert doesn't get hurt, if they beat the Chiefs in week two, maybe it goes differently. I think next year to me is the, the make-or-break year where if they don't show any signs of progress, they'll really have to evaluate whether Brandon Staley is going to be their guy. Um, because I think he was good enough in the first year that I think he's earned the second season, and I think they're just going to write this year off as just a mess of injuries. The Chargers are the Clippers of the NFL. Mm, yeah. That's, yeah, that's mm, a good comp, good comp. Um, oh, we've, we've stalled long enough. I think as a professional, I have to ask you <laughs> what's going wrong for the Raiders. Like, I'm just gonna, like, the, don't the defeat in my voice aside, where has this thing gone wrong? Well, Fitz, I don't know if you had a column before the year about the five teams most likely to decline in the national football league. On I remember it. Com by this guy, I remember it. this guy, Bill Barnwell, pretty good writer, uh, <laughs> face for TV, uh, column for the internet. I, I think the Raiders are sort of what we expected, right? Like, they, when they look good, man, do they look good. They can throw the ball. They can rush the passer. But the problem is the weaknesses are still really, really glaring. The offensive line still not solved after three weeks, and it shouldn't be. They look like a mess on paper heading into the season. The secondary, giving up too many big plays from the pass rush just to get home. And, you know, there's some times where you don't see problems heading into the season. Or you think, oh, well, it's not going to matter, or they'll get better at this. These were glaring issues to anyone paying attention to the Raiders heading into this season. They've been a little unlucky in close games. There probably should be one or two as opposed to 0-3. But at this point, they have, what, a a 2% chance of making it to the postseason, I think, according to history. So kind of feels like the season where they were adding veterans, expecting to compete for, you know, a serious AFC playoff run. 
kind of feels like it's over at this point. Oof. Ouch. Bill Barnes. All I heard was two percent chance at the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Well, it starts this weekend. Um speaking of uh disappointing so far, can we yep. talk NFC South, NFC West? Those mm-hmm. those divisions to have one team in each one with a winning record. Uh, who do you believe in? I guess of the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals. Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say Niners because I think even though they did just lose Trent Williams, who's very good, I, I think they're in better shape. I think once they sort of get a little more comfortable with with Jimmy as the quarterback again, because I think they did adjust. I think there was a period where they were just running and practicing a different offense with Trey Lance as the one there, I think they'll be a little better. I'm concerned about the offensive line. They're much worse even before losing Trent Williams, and he's one of the best players in the football. That is a serious, serious injury for that football team. But I think, frankly, the competition isn't very tough. The Rams, even though the Rams are 2-1, and one, they have problems. Matthew Stafford has not looked great so far this season. And the Cardinals, I mean, they're a miracle. Away from starting 0-3, the Seahawks look to be kind of a mess in their own strange way. To me, I think the Niners would just be the, the best position team to kind of benefit from the other struggles teams are happening are having in that division. And frankly, I don't know if anybody's good in the NFC South besides the Buccaneers. Real quick before we let you go, Bill, is there a team that you feel like everybody's given up on that you still think has a chance? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say maybe the Bengals. I don't know if they're going to win this week. The Dolphins are a tough team, but I think there's just so much on offense that I feel like they can at least outscore some teams on their way to being competent. Bill, we always love having you. Tuesdays with Barnwell would uh, only be better if Fitz's team could win a single game. Mine, above 500. I got that Victory Monday shirt. I'm going to wear it next season. It's going to be so awesome. (laughs) Will you? (laughs) Don't don't, don't get ahead of yourself. We're not sure how long this drought's going to last. Thanks for the insight, Mm. Bill. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bill. Follow him at Bill Barnwell. Listen to the Bill Barnwell show. Coming up, uh, we're going to probably talk a little more Raiders because it's time for Panic or Patience. Ah! Coming up Ah! next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Fitz already hoping to forget this Raiders season. I don't know what you're talking about. 0-3 is going to make a hell of a comeback story. It sure would. Spain and Fitz. (laughs) Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I feel like, is this how it started last year, too, with you had high expectations, I didn't, and then my team started out stronger, or at least surprisingly, and the, and the Raiders struggled? I'm trying to remember. Well, last year, I, I picked like the Raiders. I feel like we've done this before. <laughs> I, I picked the Raiders last year to win nine games and be a, a wild card team, and they won 10, so I, I feel like- Did I they start pick- slow? Yeah, yeah, because they yeah. won their last four in a row, right? They had a middle like, section where um, they got really bad. They lost five of six in the middle of the yeah. season. I which just is, remember, I mean, zero and three is child's play. Yeah. I remember the therapy element of this show. Uh, this is an annual year. thing for me. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. This is an annual thing for me. But uh, Sarah, you know what? I'm what they like to call a glutton for punishment because right. I stood rose off the field in Nashville and watched them lose. And I can tell you at this point that I have now confirmed I will be standing in Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Mm. Seeing them in person against the Broncos. Hey, speaking of Allegiant Stadium, remember last year when the Bears won the game there and we were both there? I don't remember that. I do remember that. I remember the Ravens game Uh where the Raiders won, and I was there for that. It was that was Mm -hmm. dramatic Monday Night Football. Well, let's keep talking Raiders because they are the (laughs) only zero and three team in the NFL. Let me repeat that: the only zero and three team, the only winless team in the entire league. So when we started this segment, uh, Panic or Patience, uh, I think we had patience for the Raiders. 
We thought that that first game might be an anomaly. They would clean things up. I am in full panic. I do believe that it might be too late. I'm in full panic because I'm not sure they're good. I don't think it's too late. This is the crazy thing. If the playoffs started today in week three by (laughs) Jason Fitz, if the playoffs started today, your wild card teams, amazingly, would be the Bills, the Broncos, and the Ravens. Because those are the only three teams not in first place with a winning record in all of the AFC. And I say that because everybody else is one and two. All the division leaders in those three teams, everybody else is one and two. The fact that the rest of the conference has started slowly means there's plenty of runway left for the Raiders to get this right. The problem to me is that when you are a team, I'm I'm in panic mode. Answer, answer your panic or patience right. mode. I am officially in panic mode. And I'm in panic mode not because of Derek Carr or not because of Darren Waller or not because of Josh McDaniels, because of all of them. When it's a different person every week that's letting your team yeah. down, then you have to turn around and say, okay, there is a problem. It's the defense, then it's the offense. Then it's the, yeah. If you can pinpoint one thing, it's like, oh, we just got to get this guy back, it's fine. And I do think I do think your point is a good one, which is that obviously there's not very many teams that are indestructible right now. Even the Bills that we recently were saying, are they heads and tails above everyone else? Well, no, because they've now lost to the Dolphins, the only 3-0 and team. Um, I, I do think that there's time, and the Eagles are the other 3-0 and team. Um, I do think that there's time, and I do think – Aaron Schatz is going to join us again coming up later in the show, and he's the one who told us that their prediction models over at Football Outsiders really suggested a big chunk of teams in the middle this year. And so if that's the case, 0-3 is not the end of the world. Can but I, panic is still the right answer. Can I give you the weir- world's weirdest stat? Yeah. If you want to look at point differential, mm-hmm. and again, you take the playoff, you take the four division leaders out, right. and you take the three wild card teams today out. The Bengals are the only other team in the entire AFC with a positive point differential. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Pretty, it's pretty wild. I mean, you look at and, – and that's why you look at a team like the Dolphins and they're a plus 19 and you say, fine, the Bills are plus 53. Oh, my God. So that one game with a lot of mistakes and a banged-up secondary doesn't necessarily tell you which is the best team. I, I think the worst one right now is – Unfortunately for you, the Titans, mm. who your team just lost to, they've got a minus 33-point differential, and your team still managed to. Okay, we're not going to talk about it because we're going to talk about Aaron Judge. He's <laughs> up to bat. Check it out. Outside, one and one. And the pitch breaking balls outside. So the count two and one on Judge. You know, everyone wants to see him hit a home run, and we do in this booth. And he deserves it. But the two one is low. But really, if he walks him, and I would say there's a good chance, I think it's a good thing. Gives the Yankees a good start. The idea is to win the game, especially until they clinch, which would be tonight if they win. Now here's the three one and there is a strike fastball strike three and two and judge took one step towards first base three infielders on the left side the center fielder Springer plays a few steps over in right center the three two is inside and low so judge is on again. Barrios has walked two men.
Network, your number one provider of walk calls. <laughs> it's his 10th walk <laughs> since he hit number 60. Uh, you can count on us to always take you live to Aaron Judge walking. Wait, wait, nobody no. nobody captures the walk you better than this miss, show. You will never miss a walk. Oh. It's Spain and Fitz. Let's really quickly, we were talking about panic or patience. We talked about your Raiders. We've got a bunch of one and two teams. Cardinals, Bengals, Patriots, Niners, Chargers, Saints, Washington. I would say my biggest panic of those groups because of how they look and not just their record is the commanders and the saints. Those teams look terrible. I would add the Patriots to that list. Because of the injury for sure. Yeah. And you know, I but don't expectations, think I don't think not, not that expectations for the commanders were that great, but with that division, you always kind of wonder who's going to sneak in. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I have patience for the 49ers and the chargers and the Bengals. I think they're all too mm-hmm. talented to not be okay. Uh, I, I don't really think the Cardinals were going to be a difference maker either way. So I was confused about the Cardinals. They have those late season swoons, but they put a lot of money into their quarterback and their coach. And there was a lot of buildup after last year where they were a really good team for most of the season. And so for them to just show up and be trash uh, would be shocking to me, but so far, <laughs> so far, so, so good. Far, so good. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit progressive.com slash careers. Coming up, speaking of panicking, how much panic should there be about the Bucks' offense? And how good are the Bears? Talk about it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, it feels so good on Tuesdays. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It's the best way, like the best way to get over what I had to watch over the weekend is shots. And by that, I don't mean the alcoholic kind, Sarah. I mean not our yet, good buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not yet. I mean our buddy Aaron Shots from Football Outsiders. Follow him at F O underscore A Shots S C H A T Z. Aaron, always appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, let's start with Monday Night Football because it's on people's minds. Can you explain what happened to the Cowboys' playoff chances in your model after the win against the Giants last night? Yeah, they went way up uh, for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One is Dallas played a lot better than you think they did in that game. Like, they came out with a really good rating in our numbers, uh, you know. And the other thing is, if uh, Dak Prescott is likely to come back sooner, we're still assuming that Dak Prescott is better than Cooper Rush. I don't know if that's the right assumption to make, given how well Cooper Rush has played in the last couple games, but Prescott does have a, a much longer, like, track record. So anyway, with Washington and the Giants losing and Dallas winning and playing really well, yeah, we had Dallas's playoff odds go up 25% this week. Wow. We now have them with a 66% chance of making the playoff. The Cooper Rush effect. Wow. Look at that. Um, I'm not sure how your predictive models are all, all, all work or how often you reset them, but when, when you talked to us before the season started, you talked a lot about parity in the middle of the league. How has how that changed or how has that um, come true since this, the first couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, come true, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. we said, you know, it's interesting. Our model has teams closer together than usual. And, in, you know, what you've seen is there's only two teams that are 3-0. and There's only two teams that have no wins, Vegas and Houston, although Houston has a tie. Almost the whole league is two and one or one and two. You've seen some weird results. Jacksonville is suddenly one of the best teams in the league. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, Indianapolis and Tennessee, who people thought would be competitive, have been a wreck. And then Indianapolis goes out and beats Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So I think you've seen a lot of parity this and year. And the Bears. Really like- Bears are a winning and team. The- My Bears are winning games. 
Yeah, I, that's crazy, right? Like the Bears are two and one, and they're playing the Giants this week, and one of those teams is going to be three and one next week. Are the Bears actually good? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I even going to disagree without, with you. <laughs> without any opponent adjustments yet, just based on how they played this year, we have them 23rd, despite the fact that they've won two games. And I mean, any you know. Any analysis of the Bears has to be monsoon adjusted for mm-hmm. week one. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, I do not think that the Bears are a good team. They are already two wins into the five-win total that I have for the year, though. So they're way out of schedule. We'll see if that continues. may not be good, but they'll uh, make you money. That's, that's all that right. matters. Uh, Aaron Schatz, Schatz is with us from Football Outsiders. Let's talk about the Bucks' offense. And while we're at it, let's talk about the Packers' offense, both of them not impressing uh, who are you more worried about or who are you more convinced is going to improve, I guess? I'm more convinced that Tampa Bay will improve because they're getting people back. Right. I mean, the offensive line injuries are an issue, but right. Mike Evans was only suspended for one week. Julio Jones should be back either this week or next. Chris Godwin should be back sometime in the next couple of weeks. Like they've got those wide receivers that can win one-on-one and they're getting those guys back. Green Bay's offense has actually been reasonably good this year. Like, they were not against Tampa Bay, but they were in the first couple games of the season. So I think it's more like Tampa Bay is going to improve once they get guys back. And Green Bay, this is what they are. It's just Tampa Bay's got a really good defense, so they played really good defense against Green Bay. All right. Uh, So the theme of the night, I keep trying to get smart people to give me hope. There are a couple of different ways you could take this Raiders season, right? You could take 0-3 as 0-3, or you could take it as, wow, they've been close in every game, or you could take it as there's been moments. Do you, When you watch it from your standpoint, is there any reason for me to have any hope? Yeah. I mean, first of all, the fact is three games into a season, we still know more based on what we knew before the season than we do based on the three games. Right. And before the season, we thought that Vegas was going to be a above average team. So that, you know, still applies. The fact is that their losses have been close. The one to the Cardinals was completely ridiculous. Right. I mean, mm. the fact that they were in field goal range and then fumbled only to have the fumble returned for a touchdown is an absurdity. Uh, so, I mean, the fact is they're not playing that well, but they're not playing horribly either. And, you know, we did think they would be good before the season. So uh, we still have them with an 18% chance of making the playoffs. So, yes, there is still hope. 18? Wow. We went from 2% to wow. 18% in 30 minutes, y'all. I'm going to be insufferable. Let's Look go. Look at you. Um, it's a victory. Is uh, Okay, we'll give it to <laughs> It's not really a win. Uh, speaking of wins, the Colts beating the Chiefs was a shocker. Was there anything to take away from that game as any sort of model for other teams against KC, or was that a matter of some terrible special teams issues and some other errors? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you did see some of the limitations of the wide receiver core in Kansas City in that game, and you did see the special teams problems. And also, uh, you know, Andy Reid has gotten strangely conservative this year. Mm. He, he was very aggressive the last couple of years, and he's been surprisingly conservative this year. But uh, overall for the season, we still have the Chiefs as top 10 on both offense and defense. Special teams is 30th, but that's going to get – better so Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not like terribly worried about kansas city based on this game i mean they have off games and this was one of them okay so what about the jags from the other side three and oh 
uh, or, or two and one at this point with the Jags, uh, but but looking better than most of us expected. What do you make of Jacksonville? Yeah. Oh, my God, they've played really well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the, the biggest thing is we knew going into this season there was a definite possibility that Trevor Lawrence was going to explode because we knew what a good prospect he was coming into the league, and it's only year two. Right? You don't write off a guy after one bad year, especially given the coaching problems they had last year. So it was always within the realm of possibility that this was going to happen, and it has. He's been fantastic. Their defense has played remarkably well so far. That, I'm guessing, is not going to stick in quite the same way because the Colts uh, are a bit of an offensive mess. Washington is a bit of an offensive mess. Uh, the Chargers lost Rashawn Slater in the middle of the game and didn't have Keenan Allen, so they weren't the Chargers that we're used to. So my guess is that the Jacksonville defense is not going to play as well for the whole season, but the offense could be this good all season. And I think we have the Jaguars now winning the division over half the time in our simulations. Like, they are the favorites in the AFC South. Lawrence is actually sixth in EPA per dropback so far this season, doing really fantastic. And he's only been hit three times in the last two mm. weeks. Not sacked, hit. He has only been hit three times in two weeks. So they're giving him That's the coverage wild. that he needs to get stuff done. We're talking to Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. You can follow him at F-O underscore A Schatz. What do you make of the Dolphins? I think I'm very high on how they've looked, and Tua is really shutting some people down. But – I'm a little bit hesitant on people already making them the best team in the NFL. Yeah, that's a little that's a little absurd. My, Miami has been good. There's no question about it. But they are a bit overrated. Their offense has been everything people say. Their defense has been poor. I mean, the fact is they let the Bills have a lot of long extended drives that didn't end in points. And that honestly doesn't show good defense. When the other team misses a 38-yard field goal, that's not good defense. That's luck. So Miami's defense has been below average. They've had special teams problems as well. The offense has been fantastic, Mm -hmm. but can it do this for the entire season? Again, what I said earlier, which is after three games, we still have more knowledge from what we knew in the preseason than what we've learned in the three games that have been played so far. So I don't think Miami can have a top two or three offense for the entire year as good as it's looked, especially against Baltimore. So, I mean, is Miami better than we probably thought going into the season? Yeah. Are they now suddenly the best team in the league and a Super Bowl favorite? No. I mean, I think Buffalo are still the Super Bowl favorites despite losing this game to Miami. What, real quick before we let you go, what team's record is the farthest from where your metrics have them, good or bad? Uh, the New York Giants. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that team was expected to do absolutely nothing. And to your point, either the Giants or the Bears will be 3-1, and one, or I guess could be tied. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's what <laughs> yeah, we all need. That's what we need. Give me more ties. I want an NFL full of ties. You know what? I take it. Right, y'all, you would I'd, take a tie. I would take a tie right now, and I'd be, I'm so thirsty Over for something. 0-4. Oh, my God. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. This is why, uh, this is why we have you on, because it, it gives us some semblance of, I don't know, uh, understanding of, of how to make Logic, it all. Yeah, intelligence. It, uh, it, it, you know, gets me out of my feels. All right, Aaron, <laughs> we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Have a great week. All right, you have a good week, too. Be sure to check out Football Outsiders. I promise you, if you just go out and follow him on Twitter, it makes you smarter at everything you're breaking mm-hmm. down. He's one of the best of the best for that reason. All right, how will the Suns handle all of the distractions this upcoming season? 
you've got audio. If you haven't heard it from one of their stars, you've got to hear. We'll play it for you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Shout out to Nick Carter, listener of the show, big Bucks fan. All right, always uh, always sporting his massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers tattoo. So you know, we more, the more Backstreet Boy logo. Well, it'd be hard have. not to sport it if it's a tattoo. Well, I mean, it's it's a big, it's a like it's a big and like it's one of those like I don't know if he really intended to set out to do like full just, arm. Yeah, it's like a like a shoulder arm upper okay. bicep piece, like you know. Not dainty and, and you know, like, like mine, right? Yeah. My, mine are so subtle. <laughs> uh, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, Aaron Judge is about to get to bat. We will get you there right now on WFAN as there's a pitcher change going on. So I think we are ready now for Aaron Judge. Justice to the masses is at covidtaxmoney.com today. Well, 26-year-old Zach Pop is in. Pop came over with uh, Anthony Bass. Throws hard. Fastball and a slider. Fastball can be 97-98. Well, here's Judge with Hicks at second, and they are not walking him. And the pitch is grounded foul outside a third. Barrios, in five and a third innings, has given up four runs, and Hicks is his responsibility at second. Nine hits, six strikeouts, and two walks. Judge has both of the walks. 4-1 Yankees with Hicks at second and one out in the top of the sixth. The pitch cut on him. Good sinker by uh, Pop and the count 0-2. At 98. Oh, yeah. I told you he threw hard. Yeah. I, I saw him this summer on TV. Pitch. I must have been against the Mets, and I was really thrown away by his sinker, like, uh, like Holmes. Right, 98. Here's the 0-2. Pitch low, one and two. Well, he's going right at him. Well, the Phils, the Phils. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto down 4-1. And every single game for Toronto is a must, like Tampa, like Seattle. Here's the 1-2. And the check swing foul back. Now, I'll be a one-two. Uh, Judge has stepped out just for a moment. Now back in. Aaron Hicks with his ribby double is at second with one man out. And the right-handed deals. That's low. And the count two and two. It seems so strange to me to see a sinker with the number is 99 next me to too it. because the sinker is a two seam fastball and boy that's that is really high for a two seam fastball and if it moves the pitch is grounded foul outside of third it's even a better pitch can you imagine that the ball going that fast and then moving yep. Holmes does Be a 2-2 to judge. 
As Hicks leaves off second. One run is in. The Yanks have a 4 1 lead here in the sixth. The 2 2 is low, <laughs> 3 and 2. That was a slider. It was a breaking ball. Rizzo awaits on deck. And you can see that's all he throws the fastball and the slider. But if you throw a 99 mile an hour sinker and it moves, that's enough. Now it'll be a 3 2. Judge has lined out to third, hit it hard. And then walk twice. And here comes the three-two. And the pitch is low. He walks again. That's something. <laughs> so the Yankees. Oh, that's WFAN Yankees Radio Network. Spade and Fitz. Walks, but walks, walks, <laughs> walks, walks, walks. You will Everybody. always hear the walks. <laughs> you know what? We're just—it's the Spain and Fitz trot. We're gonna call it. Just get in the first base. But we base. never know it's gonna be a walk. No. So the tension, the excitement—you can yeah. feel it. You yeah. can feel it. it just, just feel it at this point. You can <laughs> feel it. I'm as anxious for 61 as you all are, just so we can move on from 61. Like and celebrate. I, a yeah, great but I think for, for for the even for Aaron Judge, there has to yeah. be a spot where you're like, man, I just. Want to get this done so that we can move forward? Like, it's got to be difficult to feel normal every course, time you're How at about Roger Maris' son, who's like, probably has a job he should be at instead of at the game every single night? I don't know. If my dad was Roger Maris, did I have to work? I don't know. Like, I think, like, you probably... I don't know. Maybe Maris's, like, memory and, and residuals off of various accomplishments make him enough money that's not what, to. Yeah, that's what I'm but thinking. But maybe he wants to be somewhere, anywhere, other than... Held captive by another man who may break his dad's record. And think about how much money is being spent on every one of these seats at every one of these games because uh -huh. everybody wants to catch 61, mm -hmm. right? Like everybody thinks they're going to have a shot at the historic moment. Yep. The, the Just the camera flashes. It reminds me of the beginning of the Super Bowl. Every time he's up to yep. bat, like you see all the Yeah, you know phones. how many people have wasted video on their phone of like they stop it for each one. All right, pause. All right, start again. All right, stop. Start again. I mean, it's it's wild, and I can't imagine, you know, for him, I don't know what's better. I don't know if it's better to be on the road in Toronto trying to set it when maybe things are a little bit less distracted because you're not in New York, or mm -hmm. is it better to be at home and be around your normal routine that comes with being at Yankee Stadium? Like, I right. I don't know. I, well, either as they or. said, still being in a division chase, like having to try to – wanting to secure that, which they came with a win, maybe that's part of it is like now we can just put everything into – I mean, not that they aren't already. Obviously, hitting home runs help that. So it's not like they're two divergent goals. But maybe that's part of it is just make the end of the regular season just be about the home runs. I mean, and every time he talks after every game, he has to answer the same uh -huh. questions. And it's it's alarming because there are so many. Look, Aaron Judge walking is good right. overall for the, the for the game, for the actual game that's being played, not right. the game of baseball. Right, like, right, right. Aaron Judge getting on base is a good thing for the Yankees. And yep. every time he doesn't get a home run, you can just feel the collective sigh from everybody going, eh, including us. So that's uh, that's what happens. Uh, it, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, quickly, before we get you out of here, uh, make sure that you know that DeAndre Ayton made it clear. Uh, I'll paraphrase here so you don't have to hear uh, the difficulty to hear audio, but DeAndre Ayton made something very 
very clear today that he has not had a single conversation since the last time the Suns played with head coach Monty Williams uh, and that he is not particularly happy about being back. I mean, he made it clear that he's going to let his play do the talking. And for somebody that's playing on a huge contract, it really does remind us all that nothing this year is going to be easy for the Suns. You know, it's not quite the same, but it's reminding me a little bit of right after the Kyler Murray deal, this massive deal, this excitement about, you know, securing the superstar player. You've got the conversation about the study homework that's in his contract. And in this case, you've got a guy in a four-year, $133 million deal who's going to stick around. And instead, he's disgruntled. He's frustrated. They're dealing with that and Robert Sarver and the sale of the team. And we asked y'all at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, what will be more of an impediment to the Suns' success? And 74-plus percent said the DeAndre Ayton situation would be more distracting, more difficult to get past as a team than the ownership. I think that's right, yeah, too. Yeah, on the like, court, for sure. You, you can let all the other stuff sort of go, but when you've got somebody that's angry, the first time Monty Williams says something to him doesn't like and he rolls his eyes in the locker room, like, that's going to be real. It, it feels like there's going to be an issue mm-hmm. all year long. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing I can be sure of is that you'll want to check out Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.